us to sit at his feet, learn from him. So some of us, and I'll speak to my fellow type A personality people, doing things is great, but sitting at Jesus's feet is better. So we need to sit at Jesus's feet so we can learn and grow. And then we go do all of our stuff. What a lot of us go getter kind of people, what we do is we just go do things. And then we wish we sat at Jesus's feet because everyone would be happier if we did before we did all the stuff we did. You've heard of the phrase, ready, fire, aim? (laughs) This refers to someone taking action without considering the usefulness of their action or to the results of that action on the people around them. What Pastor Daniel is going to be teaching about today is the importance of being sure that what we're acting on, the actions that we take, have been first laid at the feet of Jesus so that what we do matches what he wants us to be doing. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, as he begins his message, Jesus Wept. So we all know that all it takes to write a great song is a broken heart, amen? I remember growing up, like, I've always loved music. There was always music on in my house. I was thinking about, like, the first songs that I remember listening to. And I've always made fun of my parents for their music taste. That's part of being a kid with your parents, right? You make fun of their music taste. So I always said that my parents loved what you would call easy listening. But my mom's absolute favorite was a singer named Neil Diamond. How many of you know Neil Diamond? Oh, my God. Some people are like, oh, I love him. So as I remember, one of the first songs I ever remember was, uh, was his song, Love on the Rocks. Anybody know that song? Yeah, I'm going to go, it's a great song, you know, and and why was the song written? Because love was on the rocks. It wasn't going good. But then you start fast forward. That was one of the first songs I remember. My mom loved Neil Diamond. She just thought Neil Diamond was like, he was the business. But then as I started becoming more aware of music, I remember I'm part of the MTV generation when all MTV had was music videos. I think MTV's still on, but I don't think they do music videos at all. Now they do all this other stuff. But, but now I was grown up, and I remember one of the first videos I remember. How many of you guys remember Pat Benatar, Love is a what? Love's a battlefield. Why? Because love's hard, right? But then you fast forward a little bit more, I become a teenager. And then sure enough, you know, after Pat Benatar, then all the hair metal was in. And I remember Def Leppard. How many of you guys remember Def Leppard? I went to a record store back when they had like a store where you can go buy records. They still have some in Portland, which is cool. And I wanted to get Van Halen's 1984. I think it was 1984 when this happened anyway. But it was sold out. And so I'm like, oh, it's sold out. And the guy's like, he gave me Def Leppard's Pyromania. Slid across. He's like, you'll like this. I'm like, what if I don't like it? He's like, you can bring it back. But I remember, sure enough, you know, and Def Leppard had that powerful song that was love. What was the last second word? Love bites. <laughs> you see how this is progressively getting harder, right? It's like you go from love on the rocks to love is a banal, love bites. And if you want to go even earlier, for those of you who have taken a couple more trips around the sun, you guys remember, you know, the Beatles. You love, love me do. You know I love you. I'll always be true. Please. Please. 
Love. See, it goes from love me do to love on the rocks to love is a battlefield to love bites. Why? Because culture is becoming more honest about the challenge of love. I'm not knocking the Beatles either. I love John and Paul. Come on, give me. Who's got love for Ringo? Okay. Amen. Good. Well, I bring all this up because we're talking about God and vulnerability this Christmas. And so amazing, I did not realize that this was going to strike a chord with so many people. We love talking about God. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's always everywhere. He's like, God is all these things. But God is also the most vulnerable person you'll ever meet. And there is no doubt that when you think about what vulnerability is, this concept that it's a state or a quality of being exposed to the possibility of harm, whether physically or emotionally, we all have to come to terms with the fact that love and vulnerability go together inextricably. And that's why so many songs are written about the pain of love. It's why, if we're honest, all of us move through life with wounds and baggage. Because you're... Really, love and vulnerability run together. And we're going to see this in the life of Jesus. And so without further ado, just open up your Bibles to John chapter 11. John 11. We've been looking at these different aspects of the life of Jesus and showing God in the person of Jesus and the vulnerability that comes from it. Remember, we looked at the idea of temptation makes us vulnerable. But here today, we're going to see that both love and death make us vulnerable, right? And we see this very clearly in John chapter 11. So jumping on in in verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, verse 7, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi... Lately, the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. But his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe, nevertheless, let us go to him. And then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, there's a lot that I can talk about in this section. Like I could do like a sermon series on these 16 verses I just read. But really what you see as a whole is that love is vulnerability in action. Right in the middle of this, in verse five, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So everything that's going on here is because Jesus 
loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, again, we realize in the telling of the story, Mary and Martha, we should know. Remember the story of Jesus comes and Martha's busy serving and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha's, Lord, we tell my sister to start helping. You know what I mean? And he's like, no, 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 like Mary chose the better one. Now, don't miss that. God wants us to sit at his feet, learn from him. So some of us, and I'll speak to my fellow type A personality people, doing things is great, but sitting at Jesus' feet is better. So we need to sit at Jesus' feet so we can learn and grow, and then we go do all of our stuff. What a lot of us go-getter kind of people What we do is we just go do things and then we wish we sat at Jesus' feet because everyone would be happier if we did before we did all the stuff we did. So Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they knew Jesus and Jesus knew them and Jesus cared about them. And we find out that Lazarus is sick. And the sisters sent someone to Jesus and they said, listen, Lazarus, whom you love, he's sick. And then Jesus, it's one of the things I love about Jesus because Jesus almost never does what you think he should do. He's like a terrible two-year-old, but he's not. You know what I mean? I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course. It says, he says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, what's amazing is, is Jesus actually knew that this sickness for Lazarus was unto death. But what he's saying is that there's a bigger lesson in what is going on right now. He's like, no, no, this is that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so then Jesus stays where he is for two days. Jesus delays. And then finally he says, let's go to Judea again, which is where Bethany was, where they were. He's like, okay, it's time to go back. And then all of a sudden, all the disciples are like, hold on, Lord. Like, wait, but they're trying to kill you there. And if we go there, it's going to go bad. And then by the time Jesus says he's going either way, and then Thomas, you know, Thomas gets the bad rap, right? Thomas is the doubting Thomas. But Thomas is like, well, let's go and die with Jesus. You know what I mean? So it's funny, by the, by the end of that, like, Thomas isn't only doubting. I mean, he has his moments, but he's also has a boldness. He's like, well, Jesus is going, let's just go die with Jesus. But then Jesus starts to explain to them, listen, no, no, listen. I'm the light. There's 12 hours a day. When you walk and it's light out, you can know where you're going. If you walk in darkness, you're going to stumble. He's like, no, no, now is the time for us to go. But then, in the midst of all this, he says, hey, our friend Lazarus sleeps. And I go that I might wake him up. And the disciples are like, wait, no, 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 he's sick. When someone's sick, what should they do? They should sleep. They get better when you sleep. And he's like, no, no, Lazarus is dead. You see how complicated all this is? Because Jesus says, no, no, the sickness isn't under death. But he's like, hey, Lazarus is sleeping. Let's go wake him up. See, there's so much in here. But really what you find is all of that's happening here is literally precipitated by the fact that Jesus loves Lazarus. He loves Mary and Martha. And one of the big issues for all of us, because we know that the great ethic of Christianity is that we love, and not just we don't love people who love us back, we're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to love everybody, no matter who they are, no matter what they do, no matter how they vote, no matter how they dress. Jesus says this over and over and over again, but then we all live in a world when we love people who are like us or people who like us, then at some point we get hurt by them. Because love, by definition, opens us up to the possibility of being hurt. And let's just be honest. There's not one of us who, when we look at our lives, we haven't been hurt by somebody. Somebody who we love, somebody who we poured into, somebody who we cared about, somebody who we bent over backwards to help. 
When that happens, then what do we start to do? We start to put up walls, don't we? We impose the wounds of other people on the new people we meet. And it reminds me that that's why love is so challenging for us. We know we want to. We long to. It's in our spiritual DNA, so to speak. But because we live in the real world where we've been hurt, people have taken advantage of us. What happens? We start to wall up. We don't walk in this great vulnerability that's called love. But listen to how Jesus spoke about this. John 15, 12 and 13, Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no other than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. See, Jesus is saying, actually, the greatest love exposes you to the most harm. And the key for all of us is to learn how to trust God by choosing to love like this and not letting the last bozo who hurt you limit God's love moving through our lives. You know, it's funny, just to be really honest, I was talking to a friend recently, you know, pastor, and we were talking about some of the challenges of being a pastor in this day and age. You know, and we were just talking through and we were sharing like all the people who get upset with you for all the reasons, people who you bend over backwards to help and then later like, you just were never nice to me and the pastor down the street is so much better than you and, you know, and, and you live your life kind of giving out love and then people take it and they run and they get mad and then they come back and then they come back because you're a pastor, you can't be like, you know, you hurt me really, really bad. You say, oh, it's so good to see you and God bless you. But on the inside, you're like, ah, they're back, you know? And I'm not talking about anyone here, listen, but it's like, you're happy that they're back, but you're still like, it hurt, you know, but because you're, you're supposed to be a pastor, you're not supposed to, but like what I realized, I'm like, I'm like, you know, it's crazy though. This isn't only true for pastors. This is true for all of us because all of a sudden it's like you have a family member. And they just hurt you so many times and you put up boundaries because you're supposed to, but they come back and you're, like, you're so happy that they're back. Why? Because they're your family. But then you're like, oh gosh, here we go again. It's like an endless cycle of wounding, getting perspective, wanting to walk in love. Everyone knows what I'm talking about here, right? And so what I'm realizing is that Jesus actually is not asking you and I for balance as it relates to self-sacrificial love. What he's asking us is to love hard, a self-sacrificial love, but we don't do it so that we get the love in return. He is saying, let me love you and my love for you will be sufficient. And then let me love through you. And when I love through you, you may or may not get back the love that you're hoping for, but my love will be the one constant. So what you realize is that God is inviting us into a journey that is very fraught with vulnerability. And I would love to be able to say, listen, it's all going to be easy, but it isn't. The way of love is the way of the cross because greater love has no other than this than a person to lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus did it for us. And he says, and I want you to love others as I have loved you. And I can't really talk about this at Christmas time 
without just letting that land just the way it is. I realize in a million situations, there are certain qualifications that you may give in people's situations and their histories, and, and there's all that that's part of this. But the way of love is the way of vulnerability. The way of love is the way of the cross. And what I love so much about Jesus, he doesn't say, I want you to blaze the trail and experience it without my help. He says, I'm going to blaze the trail. I'm going to experience it for you, and then I want to lead you into it. Now, from there, look at what happens in the story. Because if I just left it there, we're like, it's horrifying, isn't it? It's like, okay, let's all go get hurt for the rest of our lives. It's going to love everybody, you know what I mean? It's going to be painful, you know. But Jesus doesn't stop this all there. Because look what happens, verse 17, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that he, speaking of Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to him, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who has come into the world. Now, of course, what this teaches us is that if the way of love is the way of vulnerability, if the way of love is the way of the cross, which always speaks of death, the reason Jesus invites us down that road is because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. The life of Jesus is on the other side of our own individual crucifixions. And so... The way of love is the way of death because when we die to ourselves, then we get made alive to God's life after death reality. And so Jesus comes. Lazarus is dead. By the time they told Jesus that Lazarus was sick, Lazarus was actually already dead. He'd been in the tomb for four days. So he gets to Bethany, which is about two miles away from Jerusalem, And they were mourning, they call it sitting Shiva, where they were together as a community mourning the death of Lazarus. And they were weeping, and Mary and Martha were there, and then they heard that Jesus was coming. Now, don't miss the personalities of Mary and Martha. Because remember, Martha was serving, and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, then Jesus shows up, and Martha runs to Jesus, and Mary stays seated at the house. Not knocking Mary, man, she was a mellow chick, you know, she was just hanging in there. But she was grieving, you know, and Martha comes and she says, Lord, if you would have been here, Lazarus would never have died. But I know that God will give you anything you ask. I know who you are, Jesus. And Jesus is like, Lazarus is going to live again. He's going to rise again. You ever notice that when Jesus says something, you think you know what he means? Yeah. She's like, oh, Lord, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus is like, no, no. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Really what he's saying is that I can resurrect Lazarus right now. Not about just later. I can do this work right now. 
But this reality that really the life that God has for us is the life on the other side of the cross for us. That's real life. And in some ways, this is what I would call essential Christianity. Essential Christianity says that the life that we can live based on our own devices, the things that we want, what I often like to call a self-styled life, what the Bible calls more tersely life in the flesh, you living in rebellion, that is not real life. But the life that God has for us is on the other side of self-denial. Being his disciple, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. That's the real life. And really what we have to learn in this moment is that what God wants to do in each one of us is he wants to do a work of resurrection, not only in the hereafter, but right now. Our God is a God of resurrection. And when we come to terms with the fact that our God is a God of resurrection, then we start to look at the world through a different lens because we realize that when something goes wrong, we're like, man, that was lousy. That didn't go the way I wanted to. But that is never the end of the story. I guarantee that in a church the size of cross with people online, on TV, on the radio, people in the sanctuary, all the different vehicles we do this, there are also people right now, you're like, man, what I was hoping for, that's dead right now. And I would tell you, you should be waiting for the resurrection. Because God's story does not end right where we think these things end. There's more to all of this. And so it changes the way we look at the world. See, too much of the way our culture looks at the world is we look at it through fatalism. Well, that's over. It's bad now. And I'm here to tell you, there is not a less Christian sentiment than that. Because our God is the resurrection and the life. That's who he is. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Of course, whenever I hear about that, I always think of John 14, 6. John says a little bit later, Jesus says, I am the way the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, he doesn't point the way, he is the way. Jesus doesn't tell the truth, he is the truth. And Jesus doesn't say, I can show you life. He says, I am life. And there's no way to come to the Father God except through Christ. Now, that statement is really like crux of the Christian faith as a whole. Because our world offers, hey, there's a life you can live. And you can do it your way. You can do it how you want to. You want to drink all day? Great. You want to watch media all day? You want to scroll through Instagram all day? You want to be real? The kids know what I'm talking about. You want to be this, you want to be that. You can do anything you want to do. Just live how you want to. Jesus is real. Well, it's hard to think of the almighty, all-powerful, all-everything God as having any weaknesses. Pastor Daniel did make a good case for God having this aspect of his character. In showing Jesus humanity from an infant growing to adulthood, you could see that he could have leaned into his divine side, but deliberately chose not to. He provided the perfect example of trusting God while being willing to be humble. 
everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share the conclusion of this incredible story as well as his teaching, Jesus Wept. You're going to be shown more about the deep emotion that Jesus displayed when he wept. You're going to be encouraged to be more honest about your own displays of affection and to learn the need to have affection for those in your life, just like Jesus did, even though it may be hard to do so. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Vulnerable God. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.